This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren, who's been on GOP presidential primary duty. And so, Michael Warren, it is your job, and that's what the only way I would ever do it, to cover the announcement that Donald Trump is in the race as a Republican. I know. It was the classiest announcement I think uh, <laughs> I've ever seen uh, coming up the uh, down the escalator in the Trump Tower. Uh, but the good news is, if you're a Republican, uh, that uh, Donald Trump's entrance into the race means that uh, every single other Republican candidate now looks about 10 or 20 times better uh, to the general population. So he's uh, he's he's maybe it's like a long con here that we're that we're seeing. It's all it's all actually meant to help Republicans. I've worked on presidential races in the past. I've run state and local campaigns. I've never seen a candidate announcing for office while over in the corner was huddled a group of people with a tranquilizer gun, a net, and a jacket, just in case. This was the first time for me, Michael Warren. Uh, I think it's the first time uh, for me, too. But you know what? Uh, he's the most successful guy to ever run for president. So, uh, you know, we, we are just, uh, we must be fools uh, to be laughing at at, uh, at all this. So I'm not laughing. I'll be honest with you. I'm crying. I was so hoping he would not get in just because of the clown show of 2004 and 2008 and how delightful it was going to be that the biggest clowns in the race were going to be Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And now this... TV show fiasco throws himself into this otherwise energetic, spirited, and worthwhile GOP primary. Yeah, but, you know, uh, we should caution, first of all, say, uh, I just saw a report that he actually has not filed with the FEC quite yet. So this may all be a fake. You're just Uh, you're teasing me. You're just, (laughs) this is, you're just, you're just playing with my feelings now, Michael Warren. Well, (laughs) I'm sorry to do that, but look, I mean, it, it could be that uh, he ends up, you know, uh, you know, coming in with a, a bang and leaving with a whimper. Uh, we may, you know, this may be the high point of the Donald Trump campaign for president. Uh, but, but look, I, I do try to look on the bright side of things, and uh, and I think that uh, the the sort of clown show aspect that he brings again really does show. Look down into the third tier in terms of where they are in polling. Uh, at, at the candidates, you know, wh- wh- the folks who are below Donald Trump right now in, in the polls, uh, I mean, even down there, you've got Carly Fiorina, you've got Bobby Jindal, you've got John Kasich. I mean, these are uh, all serious Republican candidates and they're and they're good candidates. They're better than their uh, the, the candidates were back in 2012. Uh, the fact that that Donald Trump has more name recognition. And so that's sort of uh, giving him a, a boost here in the polls, uh, I think, is, is actually tells you how good. Uh, the Republican primary field is so. Uh, I try to look on the bright side of things, but you know, hey, maybe this should, we should all be you know this should be telling us how doomed uh, Republicans are. I'm not saying they're doomed. It's just a real distraction. But let, 
let, let, if we're going to look for the silver lining amid this dark, horrifyingly quaffed <laughs> cloud, uh, who are the Republican voters or potential Republican voters that Donald Trump uh, appeals to? We know who the Scott Walker voters are. They're kind of the hard-minded reform, you know, let's get serious with the math people. Marco Rubio, kind of aspirational Republicans. Jeb Bush is the Republican for people who don't like Republicans. So they've got all that down. Who does Donald Trump bring to this? Uh, well, Donald Trump, for one, uh, he's got one vote there. Um, and uh, other than that, I'm not sure. In fact, I think the Washington Post had a poll a month or so ago that showed Donald Trump, of all of the Republican candidates and likely candidates, was the least popular among Republican voters, among Republican primary voters. I think it was something like 56% said that they would actually would not vote for him at all or even consider voting for him. Uh, so he really is sort of... Uh, on a, on an island of his own here in terms of support, I think people like to see and hear Donald Trump. I've been to a lot of these cattle calls and candidate forums, and he's he's very entertaining. He gets people in their chairs. You know, they're, they're not milling around uh, getting coffee when Donald Trump is on stage. <laughs> right. They're there to listen to him. He's a star. But they don't, also don't take him seriously. I think they uh, they're they're more amused by him. And of course, these state committees, these Republican groups, uh, they get a lot of money from somebody like Trump, or maybe they think they can get a lot of money uh, if they allow him to come to these things. So uh, in actuality, I think he's he's even less of a threat uh, to these other serious Republican candidates than it seems. Okay, two quick things. First, I'm making this pledge here on the Weekly Standard that I will, I've not endorsed, I don't have a preference for so many great candidates, I will endorse the first candidate who at one of the televised debates, you know how, the, how uh, Michael, they always have that throwaway line about everyone on the stage will be better than our opponent, right. you know, the Democrats, whatever. The first person to say everyone on the stage would be a better president than Hillary Clinton, well, except that idiot Donald Trump. The first person <laughs> to say that, boom, I am in for him or her. They got me. Secondly, what about the argument that the problem isn't Donald Trump, as you pointed out, people kind of know what he is and he's a kind of sideshow bark or whatever, but it's the sort of a voter that he compels and this is going to bring those voters into the process and they're going to be part of democratic primaries you know uh, you know when the press is covering local events for example people obsessed with president obama's birth certificate people who think that vaccines are giving people autism or a part of an international conspiracy the i'm not sure who killed jfk crowd what is it possible that he could because we, we you know how you know how it works. If there are a thousand people at a rally and the press can find one kook with a you know the truth is out there sign on top of his aluminum foil hat, they're going to go straight at him. Does Donald Trump heighten the kook kook quotient at these GOP events? Maybe he does, but you know I've you've been to New Hampshire and I've been there and and Iowa and some of these other early states. The kooks are there, whether or not Donald Trump is or not. <laughs> You know, they're, they're going to say what they're going to say. But I think, you know, look, we're, we're an open, free society, a democracy. And I think everybody kind of gets that there are kooks out there. Um, and even if the media highlights, I remember from the 2008 campaign, the woman, I think in the red sweater who stood up and said something about Obama being a Muslim when John McCain was campaigning. And uh, this was going to be the end uh, of, of uh, all Republican hopes. Uh, I don't think that sunk John McCain. Um, I don't think it actually makes much of a difference. Uh, I don't think people make their decision on who they're going to vote for uh, 
based on whether who has the kookiest supporters. Um, uh, I think that, that, that people are a little more sophisticated than that when it comes to deciding who they're going to vote for. Uh, maybe he uh, highlights them a little more now that, uh, that, that uh, we have a, a birther running for, uh, running for president. <laughs> but uh, I think it's all kind of a wash, and it's sort of a, a part of our big, messy democracy. Uh, so let's move from one person who's not has no chance of being the nominee to another candidate, Jeb Bush, who by coincidence has no chance of being the Republican. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I'm just hoping. Uh, where Wishful does thinking, Michael? How does he look today versus 48 hours ago? I think he looks good. I think the the, the better question is how does he look today or or uh, in the last 48 hours than he did a couple months ago? And I think he's Jeb Bush is in a much better position now than uh, maybe I thought he would be. Uh, those these last six months of the exploratory phase were not good for Jeb Bush. He didn't really scare anybody out of the primary except for Mitt Romney. Um, he he really didn't uh, show himself to be on top of it. Uh, when it comes to campaigning, I, I saw him in a couple different places, and he, he sort of had this tired look on his face, like, ah, do I really have to stand up here and give my speech and and talk about these things? I, you know, you got the sense he he'd much rather be, you know, sitting there going over uh, uh, the details of a healthcare uh, policy proposal. Um, so I, I, it was really rough first period for Jeb Bush. I saw that speech uh, that he gave yesterday. Uh, I, I saw a guy who stumbled at the beginning. He stumbled over some of the teleprompter words, and he had that interruption uh, from the immigration activists uh, in Miami. Um, but in the end, he sort of soared uh, at the end of the speech, I think buoyed by some of those people that were uh, there shouting his name, we want Jeb. Uh, and he looked much more confident. I wrote as much on the Weekly Standard. He looked much more confident than he has been in the last six months. And I started to think, you know what? I could see him uh, uh, sort of consolidating that establishment Republican position if this is the new or uh, this is the Jeb Bush we're going to see for the next few months. Uh then again, it's it's just not a cakewalk uh, for him at all. And I think the, the the New York Times was convinced of that from the very beginning, that this was going to be easy for Jeb. This was Jeb's to lose. It's not that way. I think he realizes that. Uh, but he's in a better position than maybe he was a couple months ago. And uh, while he was speaking, I was uh, tweeting out snarky lines like, uh, great line. Did you steal that from Governor Walker? I like that better when Marco <laughs> Rubio said it. And that, I, I, I look, I... I think that the Bush brand, given the Republican Party's own brand problems, you don't need to, you know, we don't need to be selling uh, new Coke out of the back of an Edsel. You know, we've already got two, you know, one <laughs> one brand problem at a time, please. But uh, why does the Republican Party need, given the, at best, mediocre reputation of the Bush brand, uh, and given the opportunity to run a fresh face against a 1990s Democrat, why does the Republican Party need Jeb Bush's? I, I kept waiting, and, and to, to be serious, waited for the, here's what I can do that my fellow Republicans can't. And I haven't heard that answered yet. Was I not paying attention? I think that's his big problem is uh, the the question. You know, he's got that exclamation point at the end of his, his name, Jeb, exclamation point uh, uh, in his logo. Uh, but 
uh, my question is wh- where's the what was the question where Jeb is the enthusiastic <laughs> answer? Where's the, what what word comes before the question mark uh, in, in that leading up to that that Jeb? And I think that's his biggest problem, uh, particularly when you look at the rest of the field. When you have those names that you mentioned and many others who have jumped into this race, uh, who are offering different ideas, you know, different views of where the party should be, where the country should be led, uh, offering all these different ideas. Look, Jeb Bush has his own set of ideas, and, and some of them are, are pretty intriguing. He was a very conservative governor. But what's the, what's the point what, you know, of, right. of this? Uh, if not for sort of the, the glory of the Bush name and the Bush dynasty, Jeb th- seems to think he has something unique to offer. Uh, I haven't heard it yet. Uh, I think Jeb offers a particular brand of republicanism that uh, ultimately wins uh, in in a lot of these primary races. Obviously, it's won uh, for the two previous President Bushes uh, because uh, there's a sort of silent segment of the party that, as you described, don't really like Republicans or they don't really like conservatives uh, in the party. I think that that part of the party is dying, which is why it's so much harder for Jeb to do it where, where W and HW succeeded. And when I saw Jeb, my reply was, don't! So I've got my own exclamation point. But uh, one last thing. Um, the, uh, the, when I think about all the options that are available and I start going through the Jeb Bush resume, it's not just the case that other people offer, you know, if you want a, a Republican who really governs to the right of his state, in other words, he's able to pull people with him to do things that they, you know, that they maybe are not ready to do. It's not just that someone else does it. It's that someone else has done it better and more recently. Scott Walker is better and more recent than Jeb Bush. Marco Rubio, when it comes to reaching out to Hispanic votes, obviously far better. When it comes to changing the uh, Republican brand, I mean, Bush doesn't help at all. Marco beats him there. You know, uh, uh, national defense, and, and I noticed the crowd really, that, that seemed to be when they really got ginned up. Did you notice that, Michael, that when they got to strength and American strength? And I think right. it reflects two things. One is that Republican primary voters want it. Second is that the Bush name, because of uh, the two Gulf Wars, means that. But you want tough defense talk. You know, I mean, there's plenty more bigger, there are plenty of bigger, more seasoned hawks than Jeb Bush. And so that's, to me, I realize that the name has a cachet that I don't share. And so I understand that I'm being, you know, I apologize. I'm not trying to be too negative, but I really don't objectively, once they're out there tested, it just seems to me he's not just at a name disadvantage. He's at a policy and positioning and a disadvantage from a moment in history. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, the, the, the deep point here is that uh, Jeb Bush has not been in the fray during the Obama era. Uh, uh, these other folks, and look, that's some of the weakness of, of these other folks like uh, Mike, Mike Huckabee as well, um, but I think it, it, it is, uh, sends it home with that, that point home with Jeb Bush. You, all those names that you mentioned and, and several more have been debating the issues. You know, even you know Rand Paul, right. uh, Ted Cruz, these, these guys have been out there talking about putting their own spin on what's wrong with the current era, what should be done uh, to make this country better. Um, I, I I remember uh, just a few months ago that that uh, Jeb Bush you know gave a uh, a medal for liberty to Hillary Clinton um, uh, some some sort of uh, 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 panel that he was on or some some right. foundation that he was on and uh, th- so he sort of is in this position of elder statesman uh, in, in a way even though he wasn't he was never the president uh, he he does kind of occupy that that tier that's maybe even above 
politics. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in politics right now. And, 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 and I think Republicans are hungry for somebody who's been in the fray. This is Scott Walker's point. You know, he's been in the fight, um, you know, who's, who's been arguing uh, and debating and discussing and coming up with new ideas in the current era for the next era. I think that's Jeb Bush's uh, problem and issue. And, uh, and, and, and we'll have to see if he can overcome that uh, or at least squeak by uh, with the nomination. But I think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Well, I happen to know what the secret plan is for Jeb. If he's still trailing uh, after Iowa, New Hampshire, he's agreed to hire Rachel Dolezal as his campaign manager, and he's going to run as an African-American woman. And I think that's, that's once, the, that's the ticket. There, right what's there. He, he's got it made Two African-American women, both running uh, on the Republican <laughs> ticket. would be phenomenal. Uh, Michael Warren, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.